0: This is The Messy Backend, where experts share customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on behind the beautifully branded front end of entrepreneurship. This is where most businesses fail. So we're here to help you save time, make money, and succeed. And now your hosts of The Messy back end, Sheila J. Davis and Nate Tucker.
1: For this next segment, typically we would have a panel of experts who would be answering the questions of an entrepreneur who was joining us live on the recording. However, because of this topic being such a highly requested topic, I decided to have this segment be an additional bonus expert segment. So I got in touch with my really good friend, Diana Enan, who's the president of Virtual World Publishing. She is my go-to person for everything press releases, PR and marketing services, especially specifically targeting book marketing services. She is an amazing virtual assistant coach as well, and she has a series on PR success. She's been featured in US Weekly, Forbes, Inc. Radio, Fox News, Women's World, USA Today, CNN, Wall Street Journal, and many more because she knows how to get on all of those. So now let's talk to Diane Enin about press releases and book publishing. If you are an entrepreneur with a messy backend and you would like to be a guest or submit a question, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Are you ready to put your business on autopilot and actually live your life? We simply offer the best strategies and solutions anywhere online at Lock and Load Marketing. Development, design, and marketing solutions to keep your business on target. Come conquer life's challenges with laughter with our very own Nate Tucker, founder of laughingwithnate.com. Funny guy, photographer, digital marketer, entrepreneur, philanthropist, animal lover, and most importantly, pizza connoisseur. Visit laughingwithnate.com. So Diana, we are really excited to talk to you about book publishing, press releases, and what to do to get that book out there. Um, They're kind of the same topic and and very similar, at least they go hand in hand. So the the question, some of the questions that we have been, that have been submitted, um, the first one would be, so I've written a book, now what?
2: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, so, Hopefully, you when you've written the book before you actually get to the publishing date, you've done some pre-things and you have everything already ready to go because that's how it really rocks and roll when you, you know. So your, you know, your book releases, you got your press release, you've got your pitch to get book reviews, you've gotten, you know, your website, you've got your social media plan. So that's first off is make sure that you're really ready to go. Um, if it takes, if it means having a release date a little later do that because you want to be the day you release that that book you want to be ready to go you want to be able to hit the market so quick you know because they're gonna hear about your book then you're gonna be like oh I've got this press release now press release is really really good for book marketing because it does give you all the valuable information about the book so your press release is going to have like it's a book the topic the audience it's good for um you know how large the book is how they can get the book and a little bit about the author so that's kind of like summing it all up and quickly you know that's like a a quick press release one of the things you wanna do in your press release for sure is to make sure that you have those key facts about the book that would entice that target audience. And you know, a lot of people miss that. They don't have those bullet points where, you know, this will help you, da-da. Now you have this problem, this will be the one book to help you, you know, get over your anxiety or, you know, start your business, you know, so those are the kind of things you want to to really, you know, uh, work on. So th- that's that's what I would say. You got your book. Let's go. Cool. So
1: while we're doing the book, I know a lot of us, like I I have just barely started my book. And so I'm like a hundred percent focused on getting the book. You know, I'm thinking about the titles and the outline and you know, the message I want to share, but I also need to have going on in the background, the preparation for that. So the social media, like you said, the website. So if you have all of those things, that's why when we see someone like Brenda Bouchard, had come out with a new book. You're flooded with it. It comes in your email. On his yes. social, he's got the site where you can download it for you know seven bucks or whatever. So then the question is, you've got if you've got your book and you're working on all of that stuff, um, is it best to release that simply as digital? If you're this a first time author. Just released it as digital, or do you want to
2: be sure and have that hardback and paperback to go with it? Yeah, I, I'd love that. I'd love, love, love that question because I really believe that it's best to do it all at the same time. Um, because let's just say you're, one of the things you're going to do is going to get book reviews, you know, people to read your book and get a review, you know, for professional book reviews, they want to have the actual book, you know, and there's still people that would rather have a book than an ebook. You know not as many you know it's kind of going but they'd still like to have that book um and so the other thing too is you got to think of that the launch date as the the i mean like that is just it you know and so you want to have everything ready if you have two different launch dates it confuses your audience you know uh, okay i've got this ebook great you know but it confuses your audience on you know Uh, you know what's available what are you doing you know so I would recommend and I know this differs for a lot of you know uh, you know a lot of publicists do do it differently but that's how I like to do it I think you have more energy and I think you have more success when you do it that way you know plus the thing is uh, too with the with when you have everything ready and you're launching on one particular day you know uh, I think you want, one of the things you want to do is get those Amazon ratings. You know, you want to be able to say I was number one in this or I was number one in not, number one or even in the top 100. It doesn't have to be one. Everybody goes, oh, we have three one. No, when you're in the top 100 or you're really seeing, you know, like good numbers there, you want to be able to announce that, you know, through your social media. And then people are like, oh, oh my God, I got to check out this book, you know. Uh, one thing, too, when you get those great numbers, and I know I know you do this really. I I've seen you make sure you take a video, I mean, a picture of it. So when you post it on social media, someone just looks at that and they see this Amazon page and they see like one, two, three, wherever you are, and you're like, yay! And then when it goes down, it's like, yay! And you got your whole tribe cheering you on. So that's really what uh, you know what to do. So that's what my recommendation would be. Okay, cool. Then
1: that's really smart. Now, the other question would be. How soon do I need to start worrying about getting an audiobook? Because you're right. Well, I listen to audiobooks simply because I, you know, I work at home, but I drive 7,000 miles a month. So I get myself some audiobooks and I okay. listen to it while I'm driving and then I want to come home and highlight the book because either that or I'll write the whole book by hand, right? So I want to come home and do that. So how soon should you be looking at doing an audio book for that?
2: um again this will change for everybody you know um but i usually recommend going full steam ahead with your book and your paperback you know and then have the audio kind of after that first push reason being there is then you have another you know let's just say you know the audiobook is ready in two months from what you you did that big launch then you can have that excitement build again because now you can say now we have the audio ready You know, so you can have you know a minor lot. It's not going to be the big one, Um, but then you have something new and exciting to say in a couple down the road. So that's that's how I recommend that. Okay, cool. So you touched a little bit on press releases. Mm -hmm. One of the questions
1: we had about a press release is what kind of give us. I think we've talked about this in the past. So I think there's kind of like a few steps that you need to do, like you mentioned. You need to have a certain number of things. How do you know who to contact? How many people to contact?
2: That kind of question. Sure, sure. Everybody. No. <laughs> so, um, you know, I use Cision for my databases. And so... Can you spell that for us? What is Cision? Uh, it's C-I-S-I-O-N.com. And it's a paid service, um, but it allows me to get the editors of, like, who does book reviews who writes on your topic, you know, the biggest mistake you can make is send a, you know, your book is on this and you send it to a sports thing, you know, and I've seen people do that and they're like, oh, you know, or once in a while, one of those will get on my database and I won't catch it, you know, and then they send me back this nasty gram, like, what are you thinking, you know, and I'm like, sorry, you know, (laughs) it happens, right, that's what this, this, your show's all about is making those little mistakes there, you know, Um, but send it to the editors that you feel like right on your topic. Let's say you don't have scission, you know, or you can contact me and I can help you create those databases. Um, But you can still like uh, on your own, like just research, who are the key magazines that that would be interested in your um, in your book? Who are the key websites that would be interested in your book? you know, how do you get on them? And usually, you know, Session gives you, right, the editor, but you can still find that on your own as well. So you want to be sending out to anybody that would have an interest in that topic. Um, And I always say that sometimes, so it's newspapers, if you want to be on the radio, that's a great way to get, you know, radio. And one of the things you can do too is kind of um, segue it. So first you're hitting the newspapers, the magazines, the reviews, You know, then you say, okay, now I'm going to go ahead and hit the radio stations, you know, so that way you can kind of be prepared because one of the things that can happen is you can get so overwhelmed, like, you know, all of a sudden you had everything out at once and everything comes back for the client and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I I don't have enough hours in a day, you know, so segment it a little bit so that you can be ready for the interviews, be, you know, up on your game, you know. Okay. So that's that's you know, that's right. I mean. Send it to all. One of the things you do want to send a pitch with it. And the pitch in other words, just don't send the press release or just don't send the article, send a pitch. And all the pitches is, you know, a little information above the email. And so when you're sending these out, you're sending them out via email, not as an attachment, because no one ever answers attachments. They're gonna think it's gonna be, oh my gosh, it's spam. You know, it's a virus, you know. Um but above the release or the article or whatever you're sending, you know, have your pitch, which is just who you are, why you're contacting them, why why they would have any interest in you at all. You know, that's your kind of like, eh, newsworthy angle. Uh, you know, your bio and then contact information. You know, so that little pitch goes above the, um, article or press release. So send that out with it. And always, you know, always say, I always say, you know, if you're interested in an interview, would like to receive a copy of the book, um, would like to see an article, give them opportunities, different ways that they might engage, you know, because let's just say someone doesn't do interviews, you know, if you're, you just said interview, they're like, oh, well, we don't do interviews, bye you know, but they do book reviews. So that one line can, you know, really like open up the opportunities for you. Right. So along with that pitch, you and I Mm -hmm. have talked previously
1: about a press release is great and you, you know, you should do it, but there's one more step that you think is the best key sauce to
2: getting your book out there. So in the last couple minutes, why don't you share with us that little tidbit? Okay, sure. And what that is, is instead of, or let's just say after you send the press release, or in addition to sending the press release, you send an article. And what the article, let's just say, you know, your, your book is on a business, you know, like so virtual assisting or something, uh, which, you know, happens in my book. But um, in that article, you can even have excerpts. When you're writing your book, you're proofing your book, you know, pull out tips from your book while you're doing it. And then you can create an article, like five top ways to succeed in your business. You know, five top ways to get PR. Uh, five, if you're a health and wellness book, you know, five ways to overcome depression, you know. Um, I like to do like five or, t- or, you know, have a number of bullet points, cause that's easy for them to digest and it's easy for a magazine to pick up on, you know. So then you write this article and, and it's so easy cause it's just like an introductory paragraph of, you know, the topic why it's you know like why it's uh newsworthy then your tips you know then a closing article we think you find this beneficial you know and then your bio Um, and we have more success in getting the articles because a publication needs material and when you send them that article with all the information they sometimes will just take that entire article and post in a publication like friday i just I, I posted an article, one of my articles on, uh, you know, being successful in business, you know, because I celebrated my 34th year, and I sent it to Home Business Magazine, and they took it. So now I'm going to have a whole article featured in Home Business Magazine, which is my target area. So it's a matter of writing that article, knowing who your target is, sending it to the right places, and also sending them what they want, They were because Home Business Magazine, I've been approaching them quite often. And they actually write back and say, this is exactly what we need. We need two links in it. We need this in it. We need this in it. It has to be this many, has to be exclusive, this many words, you know, and then when you send them that particular article, exactly like they want, it's like, woohoo, yay! you know, so make it, you know, know what they want to. So, right. The only difference here, too, is exclusives versus uh, some publications like Forbes, Fast Company, Inc. A home business magazine. They want exclusive. They want to make sure you, that article is only going to show on their publication. It's not going to be on your blog. It's not going to be on another, you know, uh, blog or, or newspaper somewhere. You know, it's theirs. And then some places don't care about that. You know, they allow you to have that. So, which is good because then you can have more exposure. Right. Perfect. Diana,
1: you are the queen of publicity, the queen of publishing. (laughs) I've sent many clients to you for your services. I've used you myself, which is why I have my As Seen On bar on my website. And so definitely anyone listening, be sure and check out our show notes at themessybackend.com and find out how you can get a hold of Diana. Diana, why don't you just quickly share your website with us? Sure. It's virtualwordpublishing.com. Perfect. And you guys, Diana is the one to contact if you need some help with publishing. At this point in our show, we would like to share with you the messes that have been cleaned up by our expert panelists who have shared their advice with entrepreneurs who have visited the show. Since this is a new show, we don't have the stories to share with you yet, but we will very soon. At The Messy Backend, we do things a little bit differently. We don't just dish out advice and expect it to work. We will give advice to our entrepreneurs who call in or who submit their questions, and then you can come back in 30 days and tell us the results of the advice that was given. Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? What did you try that did work? What questions do you still have? We want to be able to give a full, well rounded solution to your messy back end. So be sure and join us so that we can hear not only the messy back end, but how you cleaned it up. So be sure to join us not just for the messy back end, but also the cleanup. Do you have big ideas for your business, but you need a little help with those logistics? Or maybe you've been so busy building your business that you haven't had the time to give your customers that much needed TLC? That's where Pam Langard at RichTop Virtual Solutions comes in. She can help with that. Solutions.com. From shopping online to determining if Amazon Prime is a good deal for your family, check out TrueMoneySaver.com and manage your money so you can get more even though you're spending less. At TrueMoneySaver.com.
3: Welcome back to The Messy Backend. We are here today with Curtis Howe, who's the owner of Smart Social, and he's been growing it for seven years. Curtis has been building businesses for almost 20 years and graduated from Weber State University, Junto Entrepreneur Program, Boom Start Tech Accelerator, and Anchor Point Institute.
1: Welcome, Curtis. We're so excited to have you to join us to talk about what we're going to be calling the visual messes. Um, the ones that we can make in front of our unsuspecting uh, prospects or current clients and why we have to make sure we're not doing those things. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll get started.
0: Sure. Thanks, Sheila. I really appreciate that. Uh, we're glad to be on here as well. Uh, so yes, I did graduate Weber State. I've done the Junto Entrepreneur Program. Uh, it was kind of a, uh, just a quick uh, class at night that uh, taught about entrepreneurship. It was actually uh to gain funding, there was, a, there was a competition basically in it, and then Boom Startups, a Tech Accelerator, like Y Combinator, 500 Startups, and those, it was a competition as well. Loved them, learned a tremendous amount about them, and uh, NLP is was actually different. That was actually more of a neuro-linguistic program and getting a, a master's in kind of an advanced psychology type uh, discipline, basically.
1: Cool, yeah, NLP is huge. Like, I have, I've been meaning to go to one of those for like two years. (laughs) They always have it on a weekend when I can't do it, but NLP is huge and that's probably why when you came and presented at our local business uh, place that you rocked it, man. You were like, (laughs) I told Andrew, I told Andrew, I'm like, this is the best guy we've had. I need him on my podcast.
0: (laughs) Nice, we appreciate that. It's definitely helped me a lot in my life, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Nate, have you ever done NLP or heard of it?
3: Uh, I might have, not gonna lie. What is it
1: again, Neuro (laughs) Neuro Linguistic Programming. Yeah, it's like where to stand, how to talk, how to not—I don't know. But yeah, your...
0: if, if there was I, a I computer, if there was a computer program language for the brain, NLP is is the code basically. There you go. How to code the brain?
1: There you yeah. go. So, uh, Curtis, you have an awesome messy story you'd like to share with us about maybe one of your clients?
0: Yeah, I do actually. This is a, a customer we worked with uh, many years ago that uh, they had hired us because they. Had a huge following. They were around twenty-two thousand followers on Facebook, but they weren't getting sales. It just they weren't getting a lot of conversions on their on their Facebook page, and they were really struggling to try to figure out why, what was going on. And they had a marketing company that was running ads for them, which is why they were growing their their uh, audience so fast. So we stepped in and we analyzed their Facebook page and looked at what they were doing. Realized that the content they were sharing was not that people weren't responding as good to it, so that would, that would be improvements. But so when we asked them, who's your target market? They said, our target market is 35 to 45 year old women and, and specifically mothers too. And uh, so we said, okay, that's good to know. We looked at their Facebook page, the largest demographic they had on Facebook was 18 to 24 year old women. They what? were probably single too. So we realized that the kind of content that they were sharing on their Facebook page was attracting the wrong audience. So we looked at it and says, okay, well, what does that uh, the, the target market want? When you've got uh, women that are older, that have kids, what do they want to see on Facebook? What's going on? And uh, what they've been posting is QC baby pictures because they were in the baby product space. And uh, so we said, okay, well, that, I mean, that makes sense a little bit, but the only people that think baby pictures are cute are the ones that don't have their own hundred <laughs> million pictures of their own kids. So we said, okay, so that's not going to work because all the women that they want to attract are going to say, I already got 100 of my own kid and they're better than those, so I don't care. So we thought, what else would they like? So logistical, how to handle logistical challenges of taking your kids to the park, how to have a work-life balance to be a working woman and a mom and those kinds of things. We shared that content out, started to ask people questions and interact, get dialogue and interaction going with people. And we watched their the demographics on the back of their facebook page shift towards the right demographic and so and it was fascinating is they actually stopped growing their facebook following it actually stopped at about twenty-two thousand. even though they're running an ad they lost followers as fast as they were gaining them because the younger audience was leaving but the newer audience was coming which was awesome we were getting the right people to see it and their their engagement went from six to twelve percent so we doubled the number of people seeing their posts just in a couple months just made their page actually efficient so it would help them in driving sales
1: that's awesome so you and i actually talked about that this week um it used to be back in the day which you know seems like an eternity ago when nate was like in diapers <laughs> you could actually run an ad on facebook and actually have engagement and you know you're looking at 70 80 90 percent engagement on your business page now what you talked about this last week was you know 11 is amazing what did you say the average like you guys About mine is four, bad. I'm going to expose my ba- my messy back end because mine is like I think we decided 2%. So I'm not doing great.
0: Yeah, 4 to 6% is average across all the companies that are using Facebook basically. So but as uh, for our clients, we can usually get between 10 to 20% engagement for them because the content strategy makes such a difference and very few businesses actually ever pay attention to that.
1: Yeah, I mean those guys who are running the ads for them before The fact that they didn't notice that means, oops, we hired the wrong people. So if you, you know, and, but you do have to give some, some time to that, right? You Mm -hmm. can't just hire somebody and then 30 days go, well, you didn't do anything for us. Because like you said, when that, when they had that shift in the type of people engaging, it maybe looked like they weren't growing, but they were actually growing in, in, in
3: reality. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And I mean, it, even for us, it took about three months to start to really get that shift to start really moving in a good direction for them. And so it just, it takes time. It's, it's uh, relationship based marketing. And so it, the other people have to make their moves too and liking and unliking and things as well. So it just takes a bit of time to get it going, but once it gets moving, it's awesome. That's, that's the thing I like about social media is once you get this, that snowball rolling, and you just keep it rolling, it can keep going and going and get better and better and better the longer you're going. It's awesome.
1: Right. That's awesome. Um, so how so we kinda of, you kinda to talked to a little bit about how do you get the visibility for your business and your brand by making sure you're targeting the right people and you're the right people is not everybody. That's what I thought you were gonna say those people said that their target market was, is because most businesses, especially new businesses, are like, oh, I can do this for everybody. That's yep. not true you do need to, number one, make sure you're actually aiming for the center of the target, not the entire target. But what else can businesses do to um, increase their visibility and their branding? You know, at Facebook and anywhere else, what's the best thing to do?
0: Uh, The number one best thing to do is to get good content out there. I mean, if you have, if you're publishing content, whether it's yours or shared content or borrowed from other people, content that people really want to see, things that are either educational or uh, entertainment-wise or things like that, that's really going to help out a lot. I mean, there's targeted ads is always a great way to get out there, get your customers to talk about you, and then be visible on multiple sites. If you're if you're stuck on one site, you're going to have problems, and so you want to have a diversity of sites you can talk to people on. Like we learned yesterday, Facebook was down, which meant Instagram was down and WeChat was down. And guess what happened? Facebook had to tell everybody on Twitter that they were down.
1: <laughs> is that just like, I bet that just
0: like... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure every, key, every keystroke was like burning their fingers as they were typing that out on Twitter. But that's, that's what it is. And that's why you want to have a diversity. If one changes, you've got others you can still rely on. And sometimes they go down. What was it? Uh... Three years ago, uh, they had a a denial of service attack, an IoT DNS attack that hit uh, a major node of the internet and took Pinterest off the internet completely for an entire day. Pinterest was gone. You couldn't even get to it because of it. So they hit Pinterest and a bunch of other sites that were on that server and they hit a node. They didn't hit the server. They hit the node that directs the traffic and it killed about 25% of the internet. And uh, it was, and so it's like, okay, if you rely on Pinterest for your business, you just lost a day of productivity because there's nothing you can do there was a hundred yeah, thousand
1: interest so that's probably why I missed that one but, <laughs> but see and again yeah. I mean that's proof that even the big guys yep. have messes I mean the WWW even has a mess occasionally it, it
0: does you know <laughs> Google went down two days ago at, uh, it the, did Google yeah a lot of Google services your gmails YouTube and other stuff like that wasn't working very good so Thankfully, it's maybe once a year they have problems on their side, but the reality for a business is you don't own these platforms. And so the more that you can make sure that you're protected by having accounts on different sites and reaching people on multiple sites, which means not posting the same stuff across all your sites, the more you can diversify your content out and diversify your following and get people to follow you on multiple sites, the more likely you'll be seen every single day for your customers.
1: Yeah, for sure. Nate? Yes. Yes. You have a question for, uh, for Curtis? Like
3: I just wanted to add one something. one of our clients
1: he, there. Yeah.
3: Well, what he was just saying at the end about not just putting content on multiple sites, but changing the content up a little bit. Cause like you said, I'm not on Pinterest. Uh, and that's because you have different interests than those that are usually on Pinterest. So different demographics are on different sites. Like mm-hmm. I share my photography mostly on Instagram. But I am now branching out to Pinterest, Facebook, uh, Imager, like other places where people share photos as well, even though Instagram has been my primary source for traffic. Um, but you can't have the same content in all the places. Exactly. Like Pinterest is more about driving traffic to your web page. Instagram is like, no, keep them on Instagram, share a little photo and a little paragraph. Uh, Imgur, like people just want to see funny stuff. Uh, So it's like, it kind of just all depends on your audience and you're going to have different audiences on different platforms. Um, Even though like, like you were saying earlier, uh, it's like the demographic, say 18 to 24, 25 to 35 or whatever, that might still be your general demographic, but there are different 25 to 35 year olds on Pinterest than on Facebook. Or when they're surfing through those different platforms, they're looking at different stuff. So even though they might still be your, your audience, your target audience on those sites, uh, you need to just change it up a little bit to grab their attention on yep. those
0: sites. Absolutely.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, and Curtis actually mentioned this and we were talking the other day is that if they're on Facebook and they see a post and then they're on Instagram and see the same post and they're on Pinterest and they see the same, so use the same image, you need to kind of rotate it. Mm -hmm. You know, at different times, not just putting them like the IFTTT, which is if then, then that used to be a great way to get information to all the platforms really quickly. But now, you know, what Curtis is saying is super smart. Like you don't want all the same stuff all at the same time to be on all of the platforms. You want to kind of change it up. So that kind of makes it a little different.
0: Yeah, if you put the same thing out all over the place, what's going to end up happening is people will just say, well, which site do I want to follow you on? And then I'm going to unfollow you on all the others, which means you're going to miss audience opportunities. You want to keep them around as much as you can. And, And the reality is, if you think about it, you can only call a customer so many times before they block your number. You can only stop by so many times before they think you're creepy and call the cops. You can only send so many pieces of mail to them at a time before they get really mad and start sending you packages back with all your mail in it or something, you know, but on Facebook and on social media, you can talk to people multiple times a day if you do it right. And they don't think it's creepy or weird, but it's getting that dialed in just right to make sure you can optimize your ability to be seen.
1: Yeah, for sure. So some of our listeners, um, questions or some of the people that submitted questions, um, two of the questions kind of go together, um, and they go along with what we were talking about. And we just have a few minutes left, but the questions are, how do I find where my prospects are hanging out and kind of in the same arena, what platform should I be using to reach my prospects? And I think both of those answers are pretty close the same.
0: Yeah, so there's there's lots of research out there you can look at and try to do some Google searches to find information on what, what people are, what are the demographics for different social networks or where are these types of people on social media. Um, I, Typically, you want to look at it, uh, if you look at it from an income standpoint, uh, Facebook's around 45000 a year in annual income, uh, whereas LinkedIn is around 75000 a year. So Pinterest tends to be uh, probably around 50000 or more per year in income as well. So that, you know, income-wise can make a difference. Uh, if you're going for, for uh, you know, men versus women, men are on most of the social sites that are out there. They tend to have a larger presence in a lot of them except for Pinterest. Pinterest is a lot more uh, women by far on there. Uh, Instagram is probably a little more female than male on there as well, but uh, you can still find, you can still find some of your audience in each of them. Uh, If you, you know, to to be able to work that out, LinkedIn is more male than female, but that's definitely changing quite a bit with more female professionals and stuff using the platform. Um, As far as uh, age wise, your uh, Snapchat is gonna and TikTok are your two that are gonna be the youngest demographics. That's your teenage years and uh, early adults type people. In, Instagram's probably twenty to around forty-five. Uh, Facebook's probably 30, 25 to thirty, uh, all the way up to to grandma. You know, way up there, um, and uh, so. And LinkedIn is usually a more 25 to 30 and up as well, but more of a professional site. So those are some basic ideas to think about for your uh, demographics of where your audience is going to be. But uh, if you want to, you can do a poll, ask your customers, Hey, which social networks do you frequent the most? And they'll tell you, Oh yeah, I go to Instagram. Okay, great. How, you know, how often are you there? Do a survey of your own customers and you can find out where they're at and then make sure you're meeting them there and find out what's interesting to them and uh, help them find that content
1: yeah and if you go ask them on facebook where they're hanging out and nobody answers crickets <laughs> hmm, i believe that would be their answer <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. <not> on facebook
0: <laughs> and, it, and it's it's really inexpensive to run ads on the platforms i mean if you put 15 or 20 bucks behind an ad on each platform and just hit the same demographic and see which one responds the best
1: yeah that's a good idea well, Curtis, you are brilliant when it comes to social media. And I would recommend any, any listeners who want a review to find out what's going on, contact Curtis. Um, they, he did a, a review of my social sites. You guys, I'm, I'm a marketer and having uh, Curtis look at mine and tell me, hey, if, if you fix these few things, you can really improve things, um, helped me even as a marketer. And um, I'm going to be working with Curtis on my social. So reach out to Curtis dot social, and um, check out what they have to offer because they can really help you. I mean, you know, I can make all the beautiful branding and make your website amazing and Nate can take all of these amazing pictures of you and you get them all up and going. But if you're not working with the social too, Nate and I, our work doesn't matter. So get out there and find Curtis because he'll take care of you. Thanks so much, Curtis.
0: You're welcome. Thank you.
3: Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or by visiting themessybackend.com so you never miss an episode.
1: We love hearing about your messy backends so that we can help you clean them up and be more successful. Let us know how we can help at themessybackend.com.
3: Bye everyone. Thanks for listening.
1: A big thank you to my co-host, Nate Tucker, who helps bring out your inner beauty and vision through coaching, photography, and video at laughingwithnate.com. Stanley Bostwick, who helped us, well, let's face it, he actually did our audio and video editing, and believe me, that was a big, messy back end. Cassandra Bostwick, my beautiful daughter, who is a much better writer than I, who helped with the show notes and editing. Remember if it tires you out, hire it out. Put your business on autopilot so you can actually live your life. Visit lockandloadmarketing.com for more than just marketing. We clean up and help with the messy back end, but we also make the front end look beautiful.
0: Woo, well that's all we have for today's episode of the the the, the messy back end. Join us again next week as our experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff. That goes on in the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember, you are not alone. Every business has a messy back end and needs a little attention.